Joseph, uh, if you can start talking, please, so I can check the volume. Check, check. Chinese checkers. Potatoes. I like where this is going already. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Dodgeball Podcast. In this episode, we're going to go ahead and uh, continue with part three of the OG West Coast series. Uh, here to join me once again is Kelly, Mark, Serge, and Joe. I'm not going to butcher any of your last names, but welcome, guys. Thanks for coming back on. Thanks, Steve. So uh, we're kind of talking about where we left off um, last time, and I think we stopped towards 2010, just looking at the notes here, and... The notation says just at the beginning of the NDL's fall. Um, and so we're going to kind of get from 2010 to about 2014, just when Elite entered the scene. But um, aside from that, I mean, let's just, just dive right in. Um, Joe, since again, just going to look at you because this was your baby. So where do you want to start? 2010, where yeah, were we, we? Like you said, we can start in 2010. Um, and I, I guess we speak of NDL this time being as it was probably the main tournament um, each year that most dodgeballers look forward to. Um, but just kind of one thing I want to point out from, from 2010, I guess, forward, I think a lot of the dodgeball players who um, were seasoned and played at a competitive level definitely saw a, a downfall in the NDL. Um, and... Yeah, I, I think there were a lot of situations that kind of really point that out and that were very public uh, and noticeable uh, throughout the dodgeball community. So um, I don't really want to beat a dead horse because I think it's uh, it's really kind of public knowledge. I'll let, you know, maybe maybe Serge wants to elaborate on some of that. But uh, I think it's actually really public knowledge because, I mean, I get asked on a almost weekly basis – you're saying you don't think it's public knowledge? I don't. I just have so many people ask me, like, what is the story of like how it fell down? And I have to explain to them, like, you know, it was, it was a certain number of factors. And, like, a lot of it to people attribute to me. But, like, I genuinely think it was an, another thing. But anyways, we continue. Yeah, no, it was, um, I mean, there, there's a bunch of factors and I'm definitely down to go into them now. Uh, I've been talking about <laughs> it in, in teasers and, and people coming up to me like, hey, when are you guys going to finish part three? And then also looking at every single 50, 60 comment long thread. So let's just go ahead and dive right in. So 2010, I, I agree with Joe, I think was the height of the NDL. Like that was when you were getting the most teams. That was when you're going to get the teams that were the most uh, established and uh, most competitive. And you're also getting the largest pool of other countries coming in, uh, you know, Denmark, uh, England, Australia. Well, I, I, Mark, I mean, uh, I, I think I'd have to disagree with that part. I think 2008 was really the pinnacle of NDL. Because oh. there were there were close to fifty teams at that point, really, and there was still an announced prize cash money for first place. Hmm. Um, but I think two thousand ten was really the turning point of when it really started the demise of of NDL, and uh, you know that was kind of the segue. I, I was trying to get to that point, um, but you know, as Mark said, there there are a lot of people who ask those those questions, and I've always just said, you know what. 
Um, it's a 30 minute conversation. Maybe I, I just don't want to deal with it. So I'll just, I'll just pass it by, but this might be a great time to talk about it. Um, you know, part of the reason I think a lot of the season dodgeball players really felt was, um, that the way the tournaments were run, it wasn't really geared towards the players. And I think, I think a lot of us will agree with, with that. And, um, you know, I, I think, uh, we almost felt cheated, but at the time it was really the only thing we could go to. So we still went to it. So it was kind of something that it was a compromise in, in at least my eyes of, of what was available versus uh, the quality of, of the tournament. Yeah, I think, for sure. I think um, so it's, it's, it sucks to say that this is maybe one of the things that kind of put a spotlight on it, but I think the dwindling of the cash payouts um, really brought a lot of focus from the players on looking at what the NDL really stood for. Um, and that started as soon as, I think, 28, 2008. Correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but I think in 2008 was when we saw like a major cut to the cash payouts. And yeah, it went from, from 6000 to 1000 Right, in 2008, and I think there was still a cash payout in 2009. Yep. And then in 2010, if I think that was the first year where the cash payout was totally cut. And I, I remember that because, um, well, here's this funny story. Um, when we were all um, at the tournament and there was, you know, the beginning presentation from, from Ed Prentice about, you know, how it's a great year and it continues to grow – and it had been growing, um, so that was all true. It was at the same time the first year that he decided to cut the cash payout completely, and it was like one of the biggest years, as Joe mentioned. And um, and it was Joe who mentioned, uh, who asked the question, the pointed question in the beginning of the tournament, how much do the winners get? And and so that <laughs> that really didn't sit <laughs> well with Ed, and and but it did bring uh, focus to something that the players began to see as, well, okay, maybe this is not an organization that really has the interests of the players in mind. And again, I don't want, it's, it sucks to kind of, you know, use money as, as sort of the thing to identify, but there were a lot of other things that began to come to light. You know, we started noticing that, okay, playtime was getting cut short and logistics weren't really, you know, um, put together in, in, in an efficient way. And there's just so many other things that I'm sure we're going to get into, uh, over the course of this conversation. But I think that's when we started kind of noticing, so okay, there's, there's something going on here. Let's take right. the cash real but quick. I would, also, I would also have to say with that surge is that I think a lot of players are okay with a lesser cash prize or, you know, different prizes in different tournaments. The problem with the NDL was that the prices were going up yes. and then there was no cash prize. Exactly. And Absolutely. so it wasn't even that okay, well, we got a better facility, so we understand there's more money going to that. There's more things going for the players. Okay, great, more money's going to that. It was nothing. It was the same stuff, more money out of our pocket, and no money going back to the winners. No, Kelly, Kelly's 100% right. So it wasn't, it wasn't the fact that he started cutting the, the cash prizes that you know, made us kind of rethink the whole, the whole organization. It was exactly what Kelly said. At the same time, uh, prices were going up. I remember that if you played both co-ed and open, you were you were 
paying close to $400 in registration fees, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it, yeah. was, it was something like 145 or 165 for the first division. No, 185, 185. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was 185 or 195. It was just shy of 200. And then each yeah. additional division was like $30 on top of that. Right. There was, and there was six divisions uh, by the end. I think by 2012, there was like six. six no, there was a hell of a lot more divisions than you think because they also had, so they had Open 8.5, they had Stinger, they had Open Foam, then they had Women's Foam, Women's 8.5, uh, they had Co-Ed Foam, Co-Ed 8.5. Then they also had the Open Gym Division, they had Last Man Standing, they had Pro, and then there was something else I'm missing. The Taco Bar? <laughs> like nine or ten divisions. And that would always change every year. Yeah. It would always well, change. I think the thing with that too is it sounds great, like awesome, more divisions, but there weren't more days. Right. Yeah. So he was swindling us into this idea of you're going to get more play time. But the reality is, unless you are adding time into the tournament, it's the same amount of time. It's just divided into more divisions and you're paying more because you're paying for each one of those divisions. Well, yeah. you remember the schedule, and, and uh, like I'll preface this as like my first year was 2010, and I showed up with um, hot sauce, which was Dave Benedetto, myself, Ish Blanco, Jesse Guberman, Harrison Randall, and Eric Auday. Um, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get in that we'll get into that in a minute. All but, day, all day. Uh, uh, we had the, the, the red T-shirts from Walmart that Dave cut the sleeves off and gave it to him and grabbed the black marker and wrote our name, um, which we ended up taking second, mind you. We only you told the story before, just saying. Right, who this, took yeah, this we, is we, public we, knowledge. Rampage beat us in a, like an absolute... What was that? Someone just mix? Yeah. Yeah. Sounded like it. Huh, all right. I'll allow uh, it. But uh, the, the, I, I remember my first time because it was our second the, – the people of L.A., it was our second competitive tournament. A couple months prior, we had, we had decided, like Vince, Ish, and I had decided that we wanted to play competitive dodgeball. We went to the tournament in Phoenix held by AZ dodgeball, not Phoenix dodgeball. And they were telling us about the NDL and, and little did we know that like Dave had been going to this all along, but not telling anybody in LA, <laughs> uh -huh. which, was, which was weird. Um, so I remember showing up and it being here, you know, I remember it was half of the gym and the Tarkanian. And it was the first time I had really seen like a much higher level caliber of player. Like, cause at that time, like, uh, like between Vince Ish and I, it was just mopping the field here in LA and it was easy. Um, you know, this was still when it was just like in LA, it wasn't athletes, it was just hipsters <laughs> playing sports. So, like, if you had any athletic ability, it was like shooting fish in a barrel. Um, but uh, it was the first time where I'd seen like true competition, but I just remember that. They would say, okay, here's two hours for this division, two hours for this division. Yeah. And what they would do is they'd pull you together 
And then it was almost like being put in a playpen and less of a court. And it was kind of like, okay, you three teams, like when you win, just switch. And no one took score. And I just thought like, there's no way that this can be like the pinnacle. Like, I mind you, I was having the time of my life. But I just was, there was just something off to me about like, this isn't the way it should be. Mm-hmm. Like, so they, yeah, we, we played in a pool and we just like round robin. And I remember the first time seeing like uh, Lucas Boyle playing for Seattle Rain. Um, Is this 2010, Mark, you're talking about? Yeah, yeah 2010. I feel like the pools weren't as bad. They they really started to suck after 2011-12. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because maybe you guys can 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 give me your perception of this. But like when we were in those pools, it was like, cool, we drove all the way from Vegas, paid all this money to play against other Arizona teams and maybe one Cali team. Like we're not playing against yeah, the Portland so guys. I, I remember I remember when there were six divisions, he had two hours or the, the commissioner at the time had two-hour intervals of round robin and all we did was play arizona teams and i was like oh that's great like how about the other 40 the other 20 teams that were there that we never get to play against and we're stuck with the guys that we play against twice a year at grand canyon state games yeah right i remember my team we played seattle and canada those were the other two teams we played in our three-team pool so you got some variety yeah, and I think that sort of speaks to to the bigger the bigger issue that at yeah. least you know my assumption is, and I think a lot of <coughs> I can speak for a lot of people when I say that you know the the main focus from Ed's point of view was to treat the organization to treat the event as a, as a business. You know, he was thinking about um, you know he was raising costs, he was cutting play time, he was splitting up the, the divisions in all of these strange ways that at the end of the day made it so that the cost would go up. And there wasn't too much thought put into what the players wanted. You know, we wanted to play teams that we had never played before. We wanted to play as much as possible. And so all of these issues that we're talking about now, I think, speak to sort of this, the core of, of the problem, which was that Ed never really had, you know, this idea of growing the sport. For him, it was, you know, a great Christmas bonus. At least that's for my that's at least that's my opinion. Yeah. Um, because of all of these little details. So when know, he that, uh, when he when he when he proposed or or mandated whatever you want to call it that we're going to remove the cash prize his argument was because the teams get so focused on just winning money that he wants the focus to be on competition. And so he was able to justify that move by appealing to the competition of the, uh, and, the, and the passion of the player. But going back to like what Kelly was saying, that's great and all, but the, the cost is not only the same, it's actually increasing and the quality is getting worse. And um, for me, at this point, I had already figured out how to make Tucson Doswell run on my own. I found out that insurance is like maybe $200 per, you know, per year and that venue costs weren't that much. And so for, for those that were starting to do the math, I think that also kind of added to the, well, why is there no cash prize yet? We're still paying these, these outrageous costs and the quality is terrible. Well, so, Steve, the, the pitch, the common pitch, I mean, you were a quote unquote, a pro, right? Quote unquote. A pro, right? I was, I was one of the pros. Yep. And I think Mark, you were part of that as well. I was a pro for 2010, 2011, and I was told 
Well, I refused to sign the contract in 2012. Yeah, I never signed the contract. I always mysteriously just disappeared around that time. I went to the bathroom or something. Um, uh, but I, for the record, I did, that? For the record. Yeah, so, so I did that from 20, from 2006. I was, so my first NDL was 2005. I did the pro thing in 2006, and, and, and I technically stayed a pro all the way, I think, until the very end. I think maybe one year before it ended because I told him, look, I need to resign the pro thing because I want to play going. Um, but what the way he would always justify it, Steve, was that he was losing money. Yeah, constantly and that saying. Was very clear. And he would he would say that specifically at the pro day. He would say, "Look, I'm losing a lot of money in this," and 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 so, if I remember correctly, the justification for cutting the cash prize was because he was losing money. He was in the hole. Oh, see, I never heard that. I'll, I'll his yeah. his go to was we're not making any money on this deal or we're losing a lot of money on this deal. It was always this deal. Not not to like, you know, pick them apart for, for verbiage, but yeah, every big, the beginning of every meeting was we're not making any money. We're losing money. But then, yeah, it just, so however he justified it, the actions or the outcome or the final product was just not justifiable. And, um, real quick, cause I, I kind of want to go back to prize, uh, cash money. Um, and I'm not sure if we covered this last time, but, um, Kelly for women's, uh, what was your, you know, we're talking about like how open and, and co-ed declined, but what was the women's division like? And I thought you guys won and you didn't get a cash prize or payout. Do you remember that at all? Or did that, was that part of your experience? I think by the time that women's had a set group that was, we had enough teams basically, it, there was no longer a cash prize. Um, the first like couple years, so the very first year, there wasn't women's. The second, or they they did like a women's, but it was like a they just brought all the women together who wanted to play and like split us up onto different teams, basically. And then so they posted it for the next year, and only our team signed up. So basically, what he said was, "Well, you can just play open," which. Okay, we did that, but um, it was kind of something that happened consistently for the first couple years, um, and eventually they got enough women's teams. But by that point, uh, there wasn't really a cash prize anymore. Okay, so that wasn't what that wasn't like your end goal. It wasn't oh, we want to win money playing dodgeball. It's like there's an actual no, women's division. This is my thing with that. I I heard both excuses for the prices going up. You know the competitiveness. And also that he's paying for pro day. All of this too. tells me when he tells me that, oh, people are more competitive because of the cash prize is he doesn't actually know athletes because we're going to be competitive no matter what. And we want to win. So whether or not there's a giant cash prize or a small cash prize, there are always going to be people out there that take it extremely seriously and that was just one little foray for me to see like he just doesn't understand he didn't understand what the athletes what what the athletes thought and how we were looking at the tournament much differently than he was and there's there's proof of that right now i mean you know elite offers a cash prize um but that's not why people compete it's 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 to be amongst the best it, it's because me. what's that oh well yeah. I was maybe 80%. I, I could be wrong. But. 
I think when there's a cash prize available, people are going to ex- like expect you know their amounts. But they, if you t- like, I see it all the time at like tournaments that there's no cash prize, but people take it really seriously. Yeah, it it happens all the time, and people say stuff about it. But it's like, well, that just goes to show you that it's not about the money. It's those players are just competitive players, and they want to win. Yeah, they want the glory. Perfect, perfect example is Sin City. Yeah. There's no cash prize, but you, you know. Yeah, you just have a cash prize. Yeah, it's called reffing. Oh, that's the best prize. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. the point is, and like, I, I think, I think we're good on the money aspect. Um, just that that I feel opened up a whole lot of shadiness because again, money up, quality down, and we just got a crappy product that was just not worth the the, the investment. And then also, as I was kind of saying earlier, the people that were actually running their own deals, their own leagues, organizations, opened up more scrutiny. Like, okay, this whole Tarkanian thing cannot cost as much money. I think people even ran the numbers too. And you know, I I, I would do this injustice if I didn't tell the dodgeball community this one last piece I'll about 2010. Um, and I think it's, and this is the reason why I think it was a pivotal point in the NDL and in the dodgeball community itself. So the commissioner at the time in 2012 came up to, to uh, Team Rise and said, you guys have to split your team in half 2010, or, or, or don't come to my tournament next year. And I think and, I, and that's not that, that's not what you hear from um, from a player's commissioner. That's that's a business commissioner speaking. And, and I think that's why I think. 2010 was really the pivotal point in in the demise of of NDL. I'm not saying that that's what originally caused it, but the word got out and people wanted to know why. And they and I think some of the teams that even won in 2010 felt cheated that they didn't get to play the best team at the time. Oh, I can definitely vouch for that. Like <laughs> Rampage was built to, to play against Rise to compete. Because 2010, I remember there was janitors and 2010. Yeah. There, I don't. I there. I don't think there was rise at that. People wearing rise jerseys. Like I remember, no, we, we, were, we weren't allowed to wear the rise jerseys in 2010. Well, I remember. I the first time I remember seeing like little skinny Pion was wearing like the dark green rise jersey. <laughs> it sure wasn't all guys yeah. people at that time. That was green. If we're talking about skinny Pion. <laughs> but if you remember correctly, in 2010, uh, when we split rise up. Um, I had the great idea of making the alternate jerseys look like Rise jerseys. Serge, do you remember that? It was Rise of a New Regime, I think the name of the team was. Yeah. But we kept the same emblem, which was probably a big mistake by me because it was was bad publicity for Rise. But either way, uh, it still definitely looked like the Rise jersey. But it was just me, Payan, and I think a couple other randos that joined the team. And I think you... Tim and Jim uh, grabbed another team with with some uh, prison jerseys. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and that and that's the reason why I say I think that was really the 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 Rubicon of NDL because honestly, who who says that when you're trying to make this the best of the best? Who tells a team you have to split or else don't come back? Yeah. Who tells the best team you're, you're too good? You're scaring away everybody else. Like that's. If you're positioning yourself as the premier 
world dodgeball competition and you're telling their your best team hey, well, you guys are too you good tell recreational teams in a recreational yeah yeah no that was i mean i think the money one is probably a lot bigger but you know when we got word that you guys weren't allowed to play for 2010 it, it sucked I, i'm speaking for myself and uh, mason too because we talked about it like man this win is awesome but it feels kind of empty because we were expecting to play rise and beat you guys for the championship we didn't yeah, get that chance rough. you beat so. a bunch of guys with no sleeves and had never played together now nah, the championship match was against hawaii you guys are just like get out of the way just give us some medals now look at these what raggedy lost kids what's that who was it against an open mixed plate crew no, I felt like that was the actual championship game, if you ask me. Playing so, hot sauce was just... Uh, so the idea, my, my conspiracy theory was that, okay, he, he wanted to break us up because there were people complaining about this team's always winning, and it was, a, it was, it was you know, a threat to the business uh, model. You know, he wanted to have as many teams show up because that would be more entry fees, etc. When we came back, we swept it again. And then the year after, he, he, tra- he, he changed uh, his, his strategy. I, I, in my in my estimation, his thinking was, if you can't beat him, join him. And that was the year that we got this very bizarre, bizarre <laughs> um, rise award um, where we were, you know, asked to come up to the podium. Uh, and wait, the was that 2010 or 2011 you got the rise award? No, I think that's 2012. Yeah. yeah. So 2010, 2010, we were made to, we were, we were forced to split up. 2011, yeah. we come back, we win. 2012, his new approach is, if you can't beat him, join him. And or, or just use it to your advantage in some way. And so he did this Rise Award thing, and it was basically an award that he um, – no, actually, that was 20 – I think that was 2013. Yeah. He, he, um, he The award was uh, presented to – was supposed to be presented to a, a team each year that showed the most amount of progress. Um, and so he presented it to Davis, which was their first year, if I'm not mistaken, and they had shown up with, like – uh, I don't know. It was in their first year, yeah. Yeah, it was like six teams. So they had like, I don't know, like five or six hotel rooms full of people. And and it was just, a, a, it's, it was pretty interesting that they were the team that he presented it to because it really should have been awesome. Team Awesome had been doing really well and growing as a team by then. But, but so that anyway. was supposed to win you guys over. Like, hey, sorry for completely, you know, blocking you from playing in our tournament, but here's a na- an award named after you three years after the fact. Yeah, or, or yeah, or maybe like using it as a selling point to to everyone else. God, like, you look, still you held know. a grudge. Yeah, I don't know. It was it was really strange. It was weird. Um, Mark, real quick, without getting into a crazy rabbit hole, because this might open up a can of worms, but would you ever, as the elite commissioner, tell a team, "Hey, you're too good. Don't come back next year." Never heard me say that, and I'm all about teams getting more competitive. Right. I mean, we've seen super teams form. The only time we've had a problem with it is when you have players going from one region to another as, like, mercenaries just to, like, fill a spot kind of thing. Yeah. And that created a problem of, like... I mean, if if you just had, like six all-stars like go and just travel each region and win everything like we wouldn't have any regions um but no like that's anti-competitive yep no it's yeah. a it's an easy one yeah and i think with 
NDL too, like uh, Mark was saying, I get asked a lot about some of the old stories and, you know, there's a lot of new players that weren't around to see kind of some of the actions that happened. And it's really hard to explain sometimes um, just the general feeling that I got around Ed too, on top of it. Um, he was just so ready to go behind your back at any moment, I felt like. Um, and just slimy, like a slimy businessman. And I remember there were multiple times where him and I had gotten into it because, you know, I would tell him like, this isn't working. This 20 minute rounds of, you know, with three teams, when half the teams are arguing for 15 of those minutes, I'm not playing dodgeball. And he would get so angry at me and just, well, you know what? You shouldn't be upset about this. You can just come talk to me. I'd be like, well, I am coming to talk to you and you're not listening. You're not going to do anything about it. You're not going to change anything. And that was the same year he went behind my back to the guys and was like, can you get her under control? I'm like, oh my oh, God. Yeah. Mm. I remember that. You know, stuff like that where you're just like, no, trust me. Like they're, they're not going to be the ones to get me under control. If anything, they're just as pissed off as I am. Worse. But he would just try to like bring people down and say most ridiculous things to people that for the women's teams, he would censor the names of the teams and like, change things on it. And it was just dumb. Like it was really bad. Just he's, he's just not a good person, honestly. So real quick, Kelly, do you, uh, do you remember, cause I heard this from Jackie who, who said she heard it from you and, and Pyan and the rest of the crew, but that was like, there was a time when 2007, eight, maybe, the NDL had the chance to appear on ESPN or ABC or a subsidiary of them to actually be televised. Mark is shaking her head. I think this is before your time, though. Does that ring a bell at all? No, that might have been like the very first year. Serge, you know that? Yeah, yeah. Are you talking about the Haynes commercial? Oh God, no. That actually that, that happened to their to their credit. <laughs> okay. More specifically, men's underwear. <laughs> yes. And I don't know what you're talking about. Dang. Okay. It might be lost in time. The story goes like there was an opportunity for the NDL to um, showcase a tournament um, on ABC or on ESPN or like an actual televised event. And because they wanted Ed to change the rules a little bit to make it more TV friendly, he utterly refused and bypassed this incredible opportunity. And that could all just be rumor or hearsay, but I wanted to know if that might have. I, I strongly doubt that. Just because Ed is an advertising teacher, Ed wouldn't pass an opportunity like that for something as little as the rules. Um, this is not meant as a disparaging remark, but as much as Ed doesn't adapt, he's shown his willingness, like look at his willingness to work with the WDA flies in the fact of everything he had done before. Whether it was like, because there's no way he could sell his NDL branded 8.5 to the WDA um, or his specific set of rules or anything like that. The other reason is because back in that day, like even 2010, 2011, 2012, like 
no organization was going to put money into the structure of what the NDL was. The NDL was a for-profit corporation, something like ESPN, anything like that. They look at that and they go, okay, if we do this and we pay this guy, what are we getting out of it? They're not getting anything out of it. It right. would, they would just be paying someone's pockets. That was like, that's still the number one problem for sponsorships and dodgeball. And this is the reason why like elite became a, a, a went for a nonprofit was always to be able to offer like, well, at least like you might not be getting millions of eyeballs. You're going to get a tax write off. Yeah. You get something at least. Correct. You know, and, and that was the thing, even with Dodgeball Nation, was they already had their own money, but like at the end of the day, like corporations have no interest in just putting money in someone's pocket and getting some, nothing in return. So, I, I mean, I bet you, and this is speculation, like that the ABC ESPN deal was just a way to try and sell what they were doing and hey come to our tournament not that that was an actual thing gotcha yeah i mean that like i said that was like 10 years ago and i could just we'll just strike that from the the arguments here and I don't know. Maybe I can dig into it later. Maybe I won't. But um, I do want to go back to some shady practices because, uh, Serge, you, you've had one that you wanted to to kind of talk about for a while now. And bef- what's that? I couldn't hear what you were saying. Oh, it was. Um, I was going to ask you about the whole um, stolen cash box incident. Oh yeah, shopping spree. Yeah, please. Oh boy! Oh, the shopping spree. We got. We got to set this up because. All right. I, whoever wants to take lead, go for it. <laughs> the shop, I was the only one there. No, I was there. The shopping well, spree. Remember, it was my teammate who was. <laughs> Eric Day, right? Accused. Yeah. Of so course. Of course. So the so for example, this weekend, that weekend, uh, you know, Dave had been a pro forever, and you know, like my goal of that weekend was like to win a championship and you know <laughs> we got close i mean we got we got second and open but nothing else was even remotely close and um you know dave was like hey like everybody you know you randall and Ade should go pro and the thing about Ade though is that like because we walked into this tournament and we were like all of a sudden kind of hated and it was you know it wasn't because of dave or me or randall it was because of Ade, like he had a reputation that preceded him. And um, it was kind of something that was like bubbling through because we all had to wear the like marathon runner numbers to be like considered <laughs> pro as we were like getting selected. And it was always a thing where like day was doing and playing fantastically because like my job had been catch it and Randall's job had been catch it and we just feed all day to throw and all day was just getting people out. And so uh, he absolutely belonged in the pro division uh, above a lot of people. And I'll say, including myself, uh, the way he was playing that tournament. And so 
and he was doing everything he could. Uh, you know, he got in trouble like the first day because he was wearing jeans. Uh, and the second day they were making like complaints about his attire and his attitude. But like, you know, if you know Ade, like uh, he, he was really holding everything back, like inter- and internalizing everything. And then day three, or sorry, the end of day two, when we were doing the tryouts and everything, uh, that guy put, like, his heart and soul into trying out. And, like, it was easy, it was easy to see, like, they were never giving him a chance. They were just letting him wear the bib. And they were never going to give him a chance to be pro. And they were just stringing him along. And there was so much anger I saw. And he like he he flipped his, and then um, at, at the end of like everybody picking and like I was the second to last and Randall was the last and then Ade stood there and they were like hey just so you know you're not gonna get picked, um, and and he flipped out and he stormed out. Hold on, pause. Yeah. Well, it, he gave a real good speech before he started. Thank you, out. Kelly. Exactly. He uh he gave a heart talk to all of us, explaining that year after year he'd been behaving. Do you remember that, Kelly? Yeah, I was in the stands just watching, and I remember. Yeah, he kind of went off talking about how, yeah, year after year he comes back. He still plays. He you know, tries his best to get better and all these things and um, kind of just blew up at Ed and his Was wife. he wrong? No, and it oh, wasn't no, not wrong at it all. It wasn't even a blow up, especially considering how composed he was and how mad he was. He just basically said the obvious. He's like, I've been coming here, here every single year. I'm just as good, if not better than most of you, pointing to all of us pros. It's like watching like, oh God, this is what's, what's going to happen. And um, I mean, it was... It was sad. I actually felt really terrible for him, and I was like, "Wow, this this sucks." Because like, yeah, he might have had, he might have been dodgeball's, uh, the NDL's, you know, crit like most vocal critic. Uh, he would definitely light up dodgeballer.com that forum, just you know, airing out all the NDL's dirty laundry and criticizing them. But he shaped up, and he he tried his hardest to be out there, and he was excluded. And like you said, uh, Mark, he. They just play with him. They're just like, yeah, we'll let him go through the motions, let him feel like he's going to be picked, but then we're not going to pick him. And that's why he, he blew up the way he did. And yeah, I, I, just, I remember that almost clear as day. I was like, man, this, this sucks, this poor kid. That, that second day, like, it was a big deal that he showed up in basketball shoes or basketball shoes yeah. and basketball shorts. Yep. <laughs> like, some of the people in LA had never seen anything like that because he always played in cowboy boots. So was that the same year that he was accused of stealing the the money box? Yes. That's the precursor to all this. Got to build it up. I have I have the conclusion to this story. <laughs> all right, give give Sergio the conclusion. And he storms out, and not five minutes later, uh, Lisa Prentice comes running in, crying, talking about the cash box has been stolen. There you go. You're queued up. Okay. <laughs> and so this is this is at the pro day, right? Yeah. We're sitting there on a Sunday. On a Sunday. We're all we're all on the bleachers. Kelly, you're there, right? Yep. Um, and and Lisa's crying. And so she storms off. And 
if I'm not mistaken, I think it's Colin Gavernsky who comes back in, and he he calls on all of the pros to donate money to yeah. try to, reinvert, to 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 make up for the money that had been stolen. And so they they all start going, you know, walking up to Colin and putting money in the hat. I remember grabbing Justin Pine's hand and saying, "You're not going to put money, are you?" I did. You did. I put money in. I yeah, put me too. Game on you. I didn't give him a forty, but I gave him. Nope. I, gave I grabbed him Pine's hand and I said, "You're not doing." And Pine looked at me. He's like, "No, no, no. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just making it look like that." <laughs> and I said, "Okay." And I just sat there on the bleachers because I, I, I just, Pine. I had seen it before so many times. And and so that was it, you know. Um, Colin, Colin, and I think maybe I'm not quite sure. I want to. I don't want to say Rob because it was Tommy. Was it? Oh, it was Tommy Viviano. You're right. It was Tommy. And um, and so Ed comes back in a few minutes later, and he gives this sort of heartfelt speech, saying, "Look, I really appreciate the support, guys. You know, we lost a lot of money from the Dropbox being stolen." This was uh, this was of course the money that he had been charging spectators to come watch and selling merchandise. And and so, you know, he gives this big speech and the pros, you know, all contributed and that was the end of that day. Well, so what happened later was that Karina and I, every time we would go to NDL, we would either stay a week later or go a week before. We would take it as a as a way to vacation in Vegas. Can I I'm sorry, Sergio, I know Serge, sorry. I just want to pause real quick, just because yeah. you left out, a, I feel, a very key detail. Okay. All this money was collected in a pizza box, and whether it was Rob, Tommy, or, <laughs> or Chase, or whoever it was, to present the uh-huh. money to Ed, he started crying. He, like, held his heart and then teared up and just said, Dodgeball's family, blah, 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 thank you so much. Really sold that aspect, so I just... I, that was a key detail I felt like didn't even be let out, so sorry. It was a key detail, and he, and he repeated the same thing that he had been repeating for so many years, was yep. that he, he does this, and he invests money, and he's yeah. losing money. Same not, story. Not, and to be yeah, fair, that was, that, was a touching, that was a touching moment. I'll, it was I'll, a touching moment. Oh, it was for you? For me. I was <laughs> like, <laughs> dang, look at us go. We are a I, bunch of great people. I, I saw it as earnest. Earnest is good. You know, Mark, that was your first year. No, absolutely. Right. That was your first year. I, I had been around since 2005 and had seen the song and dance many times. I hadn't fully been. Yeah. I certainly had yet. not. Right. Well, so. The funny thing is, the whole time I'm sitting there because I had I met Ade before that tournament, and I had kind of known him from playing in different tournaments and stuff. And I'd asked the people around me, I'm like, "Do you think he would actually do that?" Because I, I don't think he would. Yeah. Everybody said no. And so I'm watching all of this go down, and in my head I'm just thinking, I don't, I'm, I didn't ever really buy it. And and mind you, this is okay. So this is like a big like breakdown over, over you know a Dropbox that had money collected from selling merchandise and, and charging people at the door. Yep. Um. And 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 not taken into or or you know he of course he is taken into account, but. I mean, charging what four hundred, three hundred dollars for entry fee, you know, for you know, forty plus teams. So I mean, making a lot of money. But he's got, you know, they 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 do this big show, you know, the Dropbox is stolen, losing money, crying, etc. And so that was the end of that day. Um, a few days later, Karina and I were staying at the Stratosphere, and they have like these little shopping strip uh, strip malls. 
and we walk into one of these. Hold on, search, search. Before you keep oh going, God. am I <laughs> cutting is... off so many of the stuff? No, you're good. I just want to. I just want to set the stage. So this okay. is after NDL is already over, right? Because this is a few days after the tournament yes. that you and Karina. Okay, so they stayed additional after NDL yes. as well. Okay, so this was probably on a Tuesday. Um, the the way the NDL would work is that you would fly in. The amateur tournament was on. Uh, Friday and Saturday, yes? Yeah. And then the pro day was always on Sunday, right? And we should probably go back and talk about the structure of the pro uh, institution, et cetera. But that's, a, you know, okay, we'll, we'll touch on that in a second. So, so after the pro day and the breakdown of the entire, you know, gym, uh, the, the, end, the, the, the event was over. So two days later, Karina and I uh, are walking down the strip mall of the stratosphere um, and we walk into this, like this high end, like, I, I don't remember the name of the brand, but it was like that UFC sort of style that was really popular back in the Affliction day. Affliction or some, yeah. Affliction! Ed was, Hardy? Was that what it, no, I think it was, it was either one of those some two. garbage those brand regardless. It was totally probably Affliction. <laughs> <laughs> so we walk in and we see Ed next to the changing room with Lisa watching and he has from head to toe complete a completely new outfit a blazer a blazer who wears a blazer a blazer get a blazer with mark okay well okay mark you do um super like new nice jeans a nice blazer um a new a new shirt the whole thing from head to toe and we see him and i grab karina and i try to turn around before they see us to avoid that awkward moment but we end up making eye contact so oh, we had this crazy Super awkward exchange inside inside the store. Me knowing that you know Ed just had given this you know gigantic this this big speech about losing money and then collecting money from the pros, and then being there and seeing him you know trying on this new outfit in the super expensive store is just it was a, it was the most awkward experience and and that is just you know it was another example of how this thing is just a super shady <laughs> shady organization. Yeah. Um, so that was the end of the story for me. Yeah, that, dang it! Who who is that? Mute that phone. I don't have my my uh, Mark. Mark, are you are you uh, sending messages? It was it's going to my computer. Okay. Yeah, it's all good. <laughs> yeah, that is a uh, pretty dang shady. If I ran an organization, lost all my money, last thing on my mind would be staying after the fact and also buying a new blazer. Well, but was it was this the same year that he told us? That like his business went out of business too. Probably. Yeah, his his law firm shut uh, <laughs> down as well. That might have been the next year. Can't remember. Yeah. I think I think he moved to Texas around that time frame, two thousand nine, ten. His brain co was was doing things that required him to be elsewhere, but yeah, it. it so, Eric Ade, he didn't steal the money. We don't know. Can't Eric confirm. Has, can't deny. Eric has an interesting background. If you were to Google him, we're like I'm no desire to get into it. But like the one thing I'll say about him in my interactions outside of dodgeball is he's always been a pretty stand-up guy. Like he's an actor, right? He's an actor and he's a poker pro. Poker pro. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, really what he does is he does stunt work. Yeah, stunt work. 
But yeah. like, he's like I just I've never seen him be the guy to like who would just like smash it like and just grab the the cash box. I mean, I could be totally wrong, but like if if my gut feeling would be like no. Yeah. Even so though, like let's let's just assume he did do it. I mean, the whole fact that Serge saw did, Eddie did. Then why didn't they call the police? Uh, I, yeah, that does a whole lot of ifs. But just, if you're just missing the story. that much money and you know who did it and there was cameras in the in the gym, like call the police, man. Yeah. Pretty dry. You say, "Hey, this guy stole it. He's staying at this hotel. Pretty easy to find a cash box on someone if they're searched." Yeah. Yeah, sure. that's a whole. Yeah, it's it's it's. I mean, it's unfortunate everything that happened. But and even if he did steal it, I mean, that's that's pennies on how much this guy was making, right? Yeah. I mean, people have done the numbers. What it was? What was he? What was he pulling in? Seventy to hundred k per per tournament. It would have been close to hundred k based on. If you want to get into it, that gym cost him forty two hundred dollars for that weekend because he was only renting half. Um, his insurance probably at that time was, if he had insurance, well, he he must have had insurance. Um, was probably at most fifteen hundred dollars. How about materials? Throw on recycled, no less. Two by fours and buckets. You're looking at, you know, throw another two hundred dollars on there. Uh, How about the cost of labor? Hold on, free netting. Netting. We're looking at like maybe five, six hundred. We'll we'll be generous and say a thousand dollars. On top of that, like balls. Let's throw in another like two grand for shits and giggles. We're still talking under ten thousand dollars for what he pulled in. And it's not like you have any grounds to, to actually have accurate math, right, Mark? It's not like you ever rented Tarkanian yourself. I've rented the Tarkanian <laughs> twice. I've held longer, bigger tournaments that took up more time and more space. I've dealt with them personally. I've paid them twice. And, you know, I don't think anybody buys more dodgeballs than me or Jake. Did you, uh, did you adjust for inflation? I mean, this was 10 years ago. Oh about. yeah. Well, I mean, to give you an idea, we had um, the very first elite dodgeball championships in Vegas. That was uh, 2014. Yeah, it was 2014. And I'm trying to think the entire cost of the event was was 6,800 was all in balls, rentals, nets, the whole nine yards. Yeah, so for, for anybody questioning, you know, the validity of those numbers, the accuracy, you, you can't get it any more straight from, from you, Mark. You've, well, you've been there. no one's held more tournaments in America than I have, and it's not even close. There you go, just adding on. So, well, I'm, 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 I'm past triple digits. Yeah. Or, uh, what, what part of America? Everywhere. What? Sorry, Mark. I'm just joking with you. <laughs> oh no, no. And then they, I South mean, America, Central America. Has has anybody held more tournaments than me in South America? No. 
Canadians. No, no, not even. A singular organization or all the individual organizations? I, I have no idea. I'm just. Exactly. Oh, boy. Anyway, so let, let's, let's see. We're, we're kind of 2010, 2011, similar story. Uh, less teams, same cash increase in, in cost. Um, same idea well, with the whole pool nonsense. I think something important that we're 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 glossing over was, and, and this is just because in, in 2010, um, when we went to pro, we were advised that like in order to play pro, you had to sign the contract, and the contract was an eight-page contract that was, uh, judging by the looks of it, it was an NFL contract that had like whited out the any inferences of NFL and put in NDL. But the problem with the contract, I remember, like, because even at that time, Costanza was calling all the LA players saying, don't sign, whatever you do, don't sign. Because what you were doing is you were signing over your likeness, signing over, like, much more than just a photo release. Like, you were signing your rights. Uh, they, they could market you however they please. Um, but you also belonged to them as an organization. So as a player, you belonged to them. And so, for example, like there were stipulations in the contract that uh, you couldn't go to any non-NDL tournament without expressed uh, permission from the NDL. If you went to uh, an outside tournament, you were not allowed to play with more than one other NDL pro on the team because they were worried about, like, if you had lost, people could say, oh, we beat pro dodgeballers. Um, there was also a stipulation in the contract that said if you won money at other tournaments, uh, the NDL was entitled to it. Oh, I remember um, There was a couple other things. I, I signed it the first year because I was dying to, dying to go pro. <laughs> and then the, the second year, I, uh, I, I reluctantly signed it. My third year, I had switched jobs, and I was working for uh, – a person who required me being on camera sometimes. So like those rights of like on camera, anything like that, I didn't have the right to like sign those away to another organization. And, and I had said to Ed, like, I, I just, I can't sign this contract because like, I can't give you what, what you're asking on this contract, you know, their ability to like, Sell a commercial or thing to Haynes. Like, that couldn't be done. The pro contract was a weird one, whereas a one year you belong to the NDL. And then later on, they started doing it two years. But the, the thing that always bothered me the most is how they used it as a threat. Um, anybody that later on wanted to play elite they would threaten him with the contract of, well, you signed this contract and you were not giving you permission to go play elite. So they would hold it over people's heads. When you got 18 year olds thinking an organization is going to sue you. What do you think they did? Fell in line. That happened to team awesome, right? Yes. 
on several oh, occasions. Amongst, amongst so many others. What was uh, so? What was going on in between Vegas or DWCs here? Like, did um, did San Diego? You guys had Vavi, is that correct? San Diego, yeah, well, yeah. No, Vavi was just like a small little social. Yeah. So, like, did yeah. did Ed ever try to prevent you guys from engaging in that or or doing your own thing or? No, well, because we had two of his favorite players playing in it too, so. He didn't really say much as long as those two players were on board, we were fine. Colin and, and, and Tommy. Well, that yeah. was the interesting thing was that, like, at the time of that early years of the contract, there wasn't any other kind of organization that was, like, worthy of them really caring about and exercising that. Right. Because they weren't going to step on the toes of, like, your little local league, but if there was a, like another big organization coming up or something that something that really standed to compete, not as like a league, but as a, like a tournament, that's when it became a fault. And I think, isn't that when he started? Isn't that when he started um, acting on it? Was when the elite came into the picture and players like. You know, Team Awesome players decided to go there and... Well, I mean, we could get into, like... So, Elite started December... 2011. 2012. 11. Right? 2011. 2011. 2011. So, so we, we can skip to 2011. Um, you know, uh, post... Yeah, yeah, 2011, that's when uh, Syndicate formed. And so Syndicate was told... Because we had so many of us were like me, Ish, Vince, and Dave were pro. We had to split into two teams. We split into the two teams. I mean, if you remember, we used the other side of the gym. So we used the the, the front of the gym instead of the back of the gym that year. Uh, everything felt a little bit more discombobulated in that. Like, okay, so now we were a pro. Now we had to show up Tuesday. Was it Thursday night for the pro meeting? Were any of you in the pro meeting? Uh, I, sometimes, sometimes I would show up. Yeah, so the 2011 pro meeting, he... Uh, I don't think you ever showed up, Serge. <laughs> we had dinner at the house. Serge never missed dinner at the house. Yeah, Serge was at dinner. Nice. The I was sick a lot. pro meeting on the Thursday was, was kind of where, like, where Elite started because it was... It was like, okay, so now now I was a pro. I was bright-eyed, bushy-tailed. I was excited to help out and be a part of the organization. Like, my my Chicago team, we won the pro division in 2010. And uh, we get in there, and he's talking about, like, bright, awesome new things coming. We really need you guys to step up. We need to grow. We need to expand. Like, we really need, like, all hands on deck. It can't just be me. It can't be just, you know, you know, the – guys on the, the the forum here and so like kind of knowing everybody's just kind of looking at each other and I stood up and I was like I would be more than happy to help you grow the NDL in Los Angeles and really be the point guy for that like I have the ability and I can I can I can do this and and it was more kind of like yeah yeah okay sit down and I was like oh 
It's like I wasn't expecting anybody to actually answer this call. What? He's like, I wasn't expecting anybody to actually like answer this call for, for help. Yeah. And it was just, it was, it was such a like, oh, okay. And then I, I was just, I had just been so turned off by like, just the, like the brush. Um, and then we, we, we played the tournament. We had some problems with like rules here and there, like hell syndicate we faced. We, we won some, we lost some. Um, just so you remember, Serge, that's the year we beat you in foam. Um, <laughs> Plus, you've not been on that team. That's in, probably what in, happened. There you were. In case you need to <laughs> refix the post about all the championships you won. Um, yes. <laughs> but I just remember getting to pros, and then, like, pros was so exciting the year before, and then they had decided to change the format change everything about it and it just was it just was off and i was just like okay like i i think the open division was more fun and more competitive just because that's what people played as all year long and then all of a sudden we were thrown on teams where you didn't know those players and it wasn't quite as good in some random rent in some random city right like, yeah, all of a sudden you played for like Chicago. Yeah, I played for Chicago, and it was like okay. And then like you had some people. I remember some of the Texas people playing on what was it the the Arizona Resistance, and some people yeah. on Memphis or whatever. It was a, it just it, it made no sense. But it was it was that year where I decided like almost it was because it, it was three months later. It was December 10th, 20, 2011, where I remember talking to people after the event, and I was like, like, I remember calling up Bill Fair, and I was like, hey, do you think you could get Rampage to a tournament in, in December? And I, I, did, I, did I call you, sir? Or was it Tim? It must have been Tim. I think it was Tim. Yeah, and I was like, here's what I want to do. I want to do, like, a poker game amongst friends. We're like, let's just throw some money in. Let's cover the cost of the gym. Oh, no, you called me. The first Elite Eventational. Yeah. So yeah. the very first Elite Eight, Yeah, it was, it was that where, like, it was like, hey, and I called a bunch of teams, and it was like uh, Dream, Dream Catchers and Legion and Syndicate and Rampage and Headhunters and Gridlock. Gridlock. Um, yeah, and, and it was just kind of this was in that brick gym what yeah. that brick gym yeah right eh, it wasn't a brick gym no yeah it was a brick and mortar I you, do remember bricks from the, from the video you're, you're thinking a year and a half later at, oh, yeah. in, in Stoner Rec Center this is the one that was like over by Dodger Stadium it was the one where if you go back and you go to the YouTube channel, uh, what I did is I called in a ton of favors in the industry. Like, So we had two courts, eight teams, and I had six cameramen. Allison Knight, I remember that. Allison Knight was just doing photos. Right. So like we recorded uh, like a ton of angles. And we played that, and it was it was kind of like what six hours. So it was a single division. It was super fun, and um, 
that's what it came off of just being like when he told me and kind of brushed me off it was a, it was a moment of like wanting to just like prove to myself that we could do it or that it, like that it could be done and once it was done it was like oh i want to do a couple of these a year because once a year for the ndl is not enough right so what was this, this is 2000 this is the end of 2011 still kind of yeah still kind of looking at the dwc as the premier championship event was there um, any other i don't say like well, that year they had i remember they had 35 teams at, at the ndl in 2011 right and that's why that's why initially i want to say like 2010 was a decline that's when I, when I noticed it was starting to fall because it felt like half the teams that showed up in 2010 showed up in 11 yeah 2010 was like twice the amount of people easy so did you uh did you get his attention when you when you held the elite eight in december did he start paying attention to you then uh, no i i don't think i received any attention from him but i did get the attention of um dan vladescu uh, from dodgeball nation that's the name i was wondering if we we're gonna get to that so dodgeball um, nation wanna while i'll let you continue Sorry, what? I was gonna say I was just um just go ahead and continue because Dan Vladesco and Dodgeball Nation and uh, was like well, the was 10K. there anything like that you wanted to add? because well, like 2011 was also a big year because that was the year he like he turned me off of it. But also 2011 we had the NLA was it the Super Dodgeball or super dodgeball whatever the nla one was which was somewhere like it was definitely before they had their own venue yeah it was 2011 yeah and and those tournaments were like it was the it was the first instance of doom that showed one thousand dollar cash prize but like the thing that was crazy was it was like 9 a.m to past midnight and there was just so much standing around, so much sitting because they would use two courts. Meanwhile, they had like a bunch of teams and it was just like, it was it was between NDL and seeing that and just being like, okay, so they had a DJ, they had a guy grilling burgers outside. And I just remember standing around being like, good Lord, why don't we use this court and this court and this court and play more games at the same time? And this was uh, NLA? Yeah, this was NLA. Next Level Athletics. Are they still around? Um, Are they the, still doing dodgeball stuff? It, it doesn't exist in dodgeball other than maybe doing like a drunk tournament once a year. Right. Oh, they've still done their like Dodgetoberfest one. Yeah, that's what it is, Dodgetoberfest. Um, and the organization itself is still around. Yeah, I just don't think they they... they they don't really cater to dodgeball anymore. They're they're more well. They've become part of Waka. Okay. So they uh so they really like they're actually like one of the premier areas for kickball. So just to kind of give my perspective, I was I was in Afghanistan during this time. Um, so when I, when I came back in the spring of 20, 2012, it felt like that's when. Because there had always been like um, 
other organizations trying to kick off their own like dodgeball events outside of the NDL. And it felt to me that Ed was always able to kind of shut them down. But in 2012, it seemed like that's when they started to step up and were starting to produce a better product. So like there was NLA and then there was the, uh, the Phoenix dodgeball, uh, 10 K that was hosted, you know, here in Phoenix. But it just seemed like, and then that's when, um, dodgeball nation started to come into, into play. And then I think, um, Bill was starting to work on the international scene. So it just felt like 2012 was when the NDL was down and everything else was going up. But um, at least that was, that was my perception. It was just like, where did all these organizations come from? Have they always been there? And is this going to last? Like, is the NDL going to be able to, to shut this down? And how is this going to compete with the DWC? And for me, it was just exciting and refreshing to see other other entities out there where we can go play and be shown a better product of dodgeball. Not sure if that was um, the experience that you guys noticed or partook in. Yeah, no, I think 2012 was a really pivotal year just because, yeah, there was NLA, there was, you know, Elite held its um, second tournament at NLA's venue. And that way, at that time we had, oh man, was it, 13 or 15 teams because that's one that's the one where adrenaline rush came out and we held a, we did a tron dodgeball later that night as kind of an after party um what what tournament was that was that the that was the second one the second one was at nla's venue where they had the the big turf fields and the oh, it was a mixture of the nla elite that was the one that you got injured and kelly filled in for you and and one, yeah. yeah. Yep. This was 2012. Sound like an even trade. <laughs> I say I hey, yes, absolutely. Am I still the only female? Um, you might be the only female that's won an open division. There you go. For even elite anymore? or just of all time? I don't think Cat or Paige have ever won. Or Steph, because Steph plays a lot of open. Yeah. Best we could ever do with Steph was third place. Yeah, I don't think Steph won either. So this was... So, but that was 2012. That was 2012. 2013. That was, that was May of 2012. And then... Um, so then the next tournament I had held was the Dodgeball Nation 10,000 that December. Um, but, like, yeah, 2012... 2012 was a big year because that was the last year I showed up to the NDL and I told them, like, I can't sign the contract. Like, we had gotten screwed by the refs. I think I played, like, six games that weekend. Uh, and it was just like, all right. There's just been so many things where, like, we couldn't play with a team. And it just – it was – like, the NDL had stopped being fun. Was this the case for uh, for the rest of you guys? Kelly, Serge, Joseph. Twenty twelve was like like um, I, I, when did the NDL like lose its magic for you? Like that, I feel like that's a silly question, but I mean, I personally think the NDL stopped being fun after like the first couple of years I played. Still went. Yeah, I wanted to be able to play competitively, but. I think the veil was lifted after those first couple of years and you kind of saw it for what it was. 
way to put it. And yeah, I, I think the word I was looking for, Mark, was pivotal. 2012 for me, same pivotal. Like all these other entities are coming into play now, and they're just showing a better way. But uh, I think. Uh, oh, sorry, Steve. No, go ahead. I was gonna say that for us. I mean, for me, 20. 2005 through 2008, it was great. Um, you know, it was the best thing that I was doing at the time. It was just amazing. I, I looked forward to the tournament every year. And then 2008 was when we first started noticing, okay, well, you know, there are some problems and, and, and that's that. Like, we, we had no answers for them. Right. And that continued through 2011. 2011 was when Mark held the first Elite Eight, and I think that's when he was toying around with the idea of, okay, well, there could be an organization that can do this better. 2012, it continued. 2013 was when you had your first West Coast Series, right, Mark, if I'm not mistaken? 20... 2013. Yeah, 2013, we had the four-round series. In the West, only in the West. Only in the West. And that's the one you're thinking about the brick tournament was round one was in Santa Monica and Stoner Gym. So that's, for me, that's when it's, it was solidified. Like, okay, there, there, there's a replacement. Um, you know, I, I kept going to the NDL and kept having fun, uh, continued having fun through, I would say, 2013. But I knew that there were a lot of problems. Um, but it wasn't until 2013 that I, I thought, okay, well, there could be a replacement. 2014, first nationals. At that point, we were done with the NDL. NDL. And I think that was the year that they had like 12 teams of like three people, if I'm not mistaken. God, Which that one? was awful. 20, 2014, the first year of elite nationals. So the, the 2013 is is really the last year because 2013 yeah uh, is is the last true year of the ndl because that's when they had about like 10 12 teams because 2013 is when you went and swept everything yeah no there were more than 10 12 teams there were there were more in 20 and 2013 the and and this is what like a, a lot of people attribute me to bringing down the ndl but very important to note 2013 was the start of udc Mm-hmm. And it was the same weekend. It was the same weekend, and what happened was you had teams like Team Awesome, and you had Doom, and you had all those teams didn't go to the NBL because they qualified for UDC. And when they were given the chance to compete for $50,000 mm-hmm. or compete at the NDL, what do you think they chose that weekend? I mean, if they were smart, they chose the option where you could draw a seed out of a hat and play single elimination. And so they were, they were, they were desperately trying to get like they had arranged a shuttle to take you from UDC to like you know the Tarkanian. They had you know uh, that you know Ed was hanging out while Brett ran everything uh, over at the Tarkanian. And it was uh, that wasn't the first year of UDC though. Was it twenty twelve? No. Was the first year right? Because the first year was, was in LA. Yeah, the first year was in LA twenty twelve. But that was that was a tournament that was like later in October. But the yeah. second year of UDC was at the same weekend of the 
NDL. So all of a sudden, all of NDL's customers were now over at the trampoline tournament in the same city, and no one was showing up to the NDL, and they were doing everything they could to get everybody to there. But there was some level of coordination, because I remember that the trampoline tournament was at night, in the evening, and the NDL tournament was during the day. Is that not right? No. No? You're, you're thinking that, like, maybe there, there was... There was definitely overlap, uh-huh. but like even in 2014, it was the same weekend again, and then that's when you had like the six teams. Okay. So didn't Ed try to position? I know because I'm pretty sure in 2013, it didn't overlap because Ed was actually part of it. All of the yeah. stuff for he it. He was part of it while Brett was running it. But I think because it was 2014. Because I, I was I was a part of Riot that year, and we were at UDC, and it was just like the most awkward thing in the world, because you know, like Ed was walking around like talking to be talking to people, telling them like, "Oh, f- that Mark Acomb, like, sorry, Mister Podcast Editor guy." Oh, now you're uh, apologizing. <laughs> but uh, he was he was talking so much. And it's like, you don't think these people here are going to not tell me that? Like, because at that point, I've been doing Elite for two years. We've been, you know, giving the money back. We've been doing great things. And nobody liked Ed. So they were just coming and running and telling me all the stuff he was saying. But, like, I was there to play UDC. It, it was just, it, it's, it's so funny. He kept choosing the same weekend as UDC and mind you like UDC was going to do it whenever they well wanted to yeah they had the, the position Ed could have moved his date and saved his organization because there was nothing special about that first weekend of August right no it was it was still going back to like the the typical ndl mentality was it's our way or no way and we're gonna divisively schedule our events to mirror yours and we're gonna make people pick us or you we're gonna throw the whole hey you can't play in this event if you're a pro and we're just gonna be as as divisive as possible and for me speaking for him like he gambled against udc and lost and then he tried to I'm confused, Steve. Wasn't there some level of collaboration between those two organizations? Well, no, so, so, so the, the level of collaboration was Ed was the 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 announcer. Now, if you remember years earlier, there was a trampoline division for for NBL that was done on Thursday night. Uh huh. But when the UDC came, because they were using NDL balls, they were using all kinds of random. But when UDC became a thing, they hired Ed to be the commentator. And this is the part that blows my mind is that like when they hire Ed to be a commentator, like there's got to be a moment where he goes, oh, this is the same weekend. Like I should move mine or convince them, hey, you do know that there is a, 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 a national dodgeball tournament that weekend. Like you're not going to get a lot of people. He could have played that card. Um, that was always bananas to me that like it was like he got to he knew train A was leaving the station 
and train B was leaving the station, and he knew they were on the same track. I'm trying to Google because I, I want to put up on his website. 2013, he did that make it. What's that? That was 2013, by the way, what Mark was talking about. That that trampoline division that Elite had. Right. Yeah, that's why I'm thinking we're a year off. NDL had. NDL had that. Yeah. Because we, we win as Rise of Doom. Um, that's ironic. Yeah. Because I'm pretty sure the first two years of UDC, because it was always around my birthday, it was middle September. Yeah. So I don't think it was until after the first few years of UDC. Then, yeah, then it would have been 2014. Because, mm -hmm. yeah, 2014, I was, I was on Riot, and that was the year we made it to the tournament. Yeah. I'm the year up. before, we didn't get enough votes. <laughs> I'm trying to pull but, up the uh, 2013 recap because I, I, it's either 2013 or 2014. They did try to position it where it was like a partnership between the UDC, and it really wasn't. It was like come to Vegas for the DWC, but also go play trampoline as well. It was like really weak. Yes. Yeah, I think that was 2014. Yeah. Okay. 2014. And then 2014, they 2014. they tried. Was definitely the year where Ed was at the venue. Meanwhile, Brett was running things, and they would switch. Yeah. When did uh when did Benedetto start commentating? Twenty fourteen, right? Uh, that was when Barclay Pool left. So yeah, it would have been twenty fifteen. Twenty fifteen. Yeah, I think him and Brett started twenty fifteen. Okay. Yeah, I mean. They tried the same thing, 2014, oh, World Do Dodgeball National, World. I can't talk, NDL, DWC, 2014 was the best ever, uh, no photos though, and it was, they tried to pass it off as if it, this great event happened, and I think we all knew, 2013, those of us that went, that the NDL was just done, like there, there, there's no salvaging this, this dumpster fire, it's over, and um, going to the rest of 2013 because the first uh western regional tournament you had mark was in april for elite and that was when um you know evil came down that's when doom was there um i'm pretty sure rise was there but that's when glenn spacer came with adrenaline rush do you remember when the second and third uh tournaments were the third one was in phoenix and that was in october Thank you, Facebook flashback time hop. But do that might have been what it probably like inspire courts. The second I one. Say that was the fourth round, no. Oh, you know what? The second one. There was one in July. It was, it was my thirtieth birthday. Wasn't so, there two in LA? One in Phoenix. Was there a fourth one? I thought the one in Phoenix was the end because you—that's when you gave. I don't think we had rings. four. Yeah. No, I, the very first series was four for sure. Um, I know but, we did one in Tucson one time, but I think that was later. That was 2014. Yeah, Tucson, is, Tucson oh, that was the year after. No, there was, because you only did, did you do other regions or was it just West for 2013? It was just West with the series, but we were going, we had done an East tournament, we had done a North tournament. Okay. So the first one was in April. There was one in July for sure. Yeah, there would have been easily something like August and September or September, October. Might have been September, October, come to think of it. Well, October was in Phoenix, and that one went to like 9 p.m. 
But I remember going to Bogies. I remember, I think maybe you announced rings at that point, or you'd given them to to Rise. That was, I thought I remember yeah, four as well. But yeah, but that, that's when I noticed like, okay, there's there's a lot of hope for Elite to actually happen. They they might pick up where the NDL left off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If you go to the Elite website and you go to the Wall of Champions, it's all there. I mean, I'm surprised Sergio doesn't just know. It's I, I keep calling you Sergio. Serge, sorry, man. No, I know. It's right here in my my own little folder. Which I thought I thought the first year was 2014, but I could be mistaken. For of what Elite? No, 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 for Rings. Maybe, no, the maybe. first the first year for Rings was the series in 2013. We won that one. There was a series in 2013 that was like four rounds, and then 2014 was the first Nationals was throw down the the year series in all four regions and Nationals. Nationals, yes, yes. I'm trying to trying to get back on the timeline. Um, yeah. 2012, in essence, was pivotal. 2013, NDL was done. Elite started to rise. Um, I, I think you closed out Elite with the well, California something. Uh, Steve, you said NDL was done 2013. I think so. Like I, I think they attempted a 2014, but they were. It wasn't the 13 team tournament in 2013. But it was obvious that it was on its way down. I mean, I, I don't know how you can get any lower than that. Now that you say it, the the thirteen or the the like the seven or eighteen tournament was twenty fourteen. Yes. The, like nine person one was twenty fifteen. No, 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 that's actually wrong. It, yeah, it's twenty thirteen was the ten to twelve teams drawing seeds out of a freaking hat, and twenty fourteen was the I don't even think it happened. There might have been nine people there. No, that's not right because twenty fourteen. I'm sorry. Yes, you're right. <laughs> say say right, it again. 20... <laughs> hold on, hold on, sir. Say, say it again one more time. 2014 <laughs> was the elite same. It had the same dates as NDL did, but it was yeah. in Vegas, and we took the venue. No. Yeah. Oh well, they had the. We didn't have the same dates. They still had the beginning of August, and we had the end of August. But okay. 2015 was the last official one. Mm -hmm. Because those players then made up the team that went to Manchester for the yeah yeah for the whatever that organization is the World Cup yeah whatever they no are. 2014 because they do it every four years I'm I'm right on this so y'all can, can Google I, this later if you want Guzzers I, I don't know if this is what you wanted Mark or not but I remember in 2013 which was the last like real tournament at at the NDL. Yeah, you already had the idea of hosting a national tournament in 2014. Correct. By then, we had already done the, you know, the the regionals in all four. I think in all four. No, four. Just one. No, just in the no. west. Just in, in the west. 2013, I had done a West Coast series. Yes. I had done, I think, a tournament in the north, a tournament in the east, and the California State Pinch or whatever. Yeah. And so the the series in 2013 helped me figure out was just the West. Four, yeah, with just the West had helped me figure out four was too many, three was the right number, and if we do this series in the North and the East, and we'll just shoot in the dark for the for the South, we can do it. But we started everything by hosting throwdown at the beginning of the year mm -hmm. because 
we are going to do these series in their respective regions with the thought of like nationals will bring everybody together, but like we need to give people a taste of it. And that's what throwdown was, was trying to get North people to drive eight hours and get East people to drive eight hours and meet in between in Rochester. And a lot of best teams came out for it. So when we went to, so Steve, when we went to the NDL in 2013, that idea was already very well articulated. Mark's idea. And oh, we sure. went to that tournament lobbying for the elite, knowing that there was going to be a national tournament the following year. Yeah, you, you guys had talked to Davis that year. We talked, no, and to Awesome. So I'll take credit for both. <laughs> well done. We talked awesome. awesome in 2013. They were supposed to come to the very first elite in the East Coast. Okay. In a shoe in to win it, to be honest. And they backed out the night before because because of the threat. Well, not only the threat of the contract, but they were told like, "We'll pay you not to go." Right. It, it that I mean to get that confirmed, you'd have to talk to Team Awesome. But, so, uh, so Steve, we already had the idea. Like my team, at least, had the idea of. Look, this is the last year for the NDL. We are actively lobbying for something else. I'm going that to move is, on. That is in the making. It has already been done in the West Coast, and there are these plans for something that's national in the scope and has the potential to replace what is right now with the NDL. So we were actively lobbying for this replacement at the 2013 NDL, and two specific teams that we talked to was – uh, Team Awesome and Davis. Awesome. And and so I guess from our point of view, the the final sort of nail in the coffin for the NDL was 2013. We knew we weren't coming back, and we knew that there was something better in the works. Yeah, Kelly, you raised your hand like 10 minutes ago. Do you remember what you were going to say by chance? Well, I, yeah, I raised it when we were still talking about 2011. Oh, I was talking to Kelly, Joe. No, no, no worries. Sorry. Though. We were talking about you know what was your what was your your last year your favorite year. I mean, obviously, my favorite year was my first year, but really, 2011 was was the year that I felt NDL was my best year because I thought it was uh, it was revenge year um, in the fact that Rise was coming back from the the sit down from 2010, which we were forced to do. But really, it was just to say, to be most blunt, you at Apprentice. You know, it, that's what it was. In 2011, all, all, all I wanted to do for two years was destroy every team that we played. And, and the, that was my mentality. And I'm going to be most honest. I, I don't really get to, to say that very often, or, uh, and I hope a lot of people hear that. Um, to be honest, 2011 was uh, the year that I think Rise really wanted just to destroy every team that was in front of them. Uh, Serge, I don't know. I mean, if, if you feel, if you felt the same way, but yeah, big smile uh, on face, Serge. <laughs> you know, and I felt that was the destruction of 2011 was the destruction of NDL, which was also the same year that Mark came up to, I think probably almost every player individually and pitched the elite idea. And I was like, Mark, if, if you put this together, I'll be there. 
I never pitched it at uh, 2011. Well, maybe it was 2012 then. Not really sure. You pitched the idea of, hey, if we get this together, would you show up? Uh, I, I don't know if I, that that timeline doesn't work because 2011, it was it was after being snubbed uh, that I did the first one, and I had done a second one. Um, I mean, perhaps at 2012, I had talked to some teams to like coming out or like me doing something at, at, like 2012. Yeah, I mean that makes more sense. Hmm. Yeah, I just remember you pitching the idea of elite, but I never, like, I never pitched it at NDL. No, 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 no. You pitched it, but you pitched it to us as a team, individually. Yeah. And at that point, we we're like, yeah, we're we're totally in. Because I like, I was always of the mind of like. India will always have this thing here every year. Like, yeah. I want to do something for the other 363 days of the year. Nice. Yeah, but I just remember 2011 being the year that uh, was the turning point for me, and that was actually my last year at, uh, at NDL. It was 2011. Sure. Yeah. Kelly? You had your hand raised as well. Do you remember what you were saying? I don't remember. Um, Do you? But for me, like, uh, from a emails perspective, at this point, even with all this talk of elite, um, like the beginning parts of it were still very much uh, just open, and so we were still there were still only three major tournaments where women could play in. And that was NDL and the winter and summer Grand Canyon State Games. And those were kind of like our three big tournaments. Um, and then as Elite grew and we got co-ed, that was a big turning point. I think that helped to get more and more women involved into that as well. But I think, you know, looking back at NDL, that was one thing we did appreciate, even though it wasn't necessarily his priority, um, was that we had another tournament that had a women's division. Hmm. Was, gonna ask was that about... something that just kind of happened on his own initiative, or, or, if, or if I'm not... He always had it posted every year, huh? but he just never... Um, you guys really recruited. I thought I thought that was fought for, if I'm not mistaken. Well, he just never recruited, so it would be like the, like I said, the very first time we brought a team together, it was me, Jackie, Jen, a um, couple other people, and we ended up having to play open because no other team signed up. So we right. signed up for the women's division, but there weren't any other teams. And I remember like going back to the. Uh, Dodge Bells, um, an Oregon team, Portland, I think. 2006, he had blasted them on his homepage saying, you know, they're coming to this women's division, all women's team. So I think the the announcement was there, but I don't want to say the effort was there. Because so right. I remember that. I remember you guys would show up. Hey, sorry, no women's division this time. Go play in men's. Or here's some gym space in the corner. Battle it out and whatever. And it wasn't Yeah, it wasn't. Like, we basically had to start doing it on our own. Right. And I would say Grand Canyon State Games was one of the big things that helped with that because that got a lot more of the LA girls involved too. And once we were pulling in the Arizona 
teams and the LA girls, then we were getting at least, you know, five, six teams. And that was kind of the start of that. Starting to get a division. All righty. So um, I want to say we're kind of towards 2014, which is the goal uh, for this portion and, and definitely down to do a part four. Um, you know, as we kind of talked about offline, maybe don't want to rush this, but we definitely kind of, um, we got into things I want to talk about more like the, the dodgeball 10 K in Toronto with dodgeball nation. Um, I, I do want to dig more into UDC and I also want to find out more about what your guys' perspectives were, you know, after, you know, 2013 through 2014. So I think now would be a good time to stop. I did get some questions, but just looking at some of them. Uh, especially like Dan Levine's, these are probably going to go, they probably need like 40 minutes on their own. Um, so I definitely want you guys to, to answer them separately. But um, if you guys are good, we'll just take a quick, uh, you know, part part three break and we'll, we'll pick up uh, hopefully another week or so. Sound good? Sweet, Sounds thumbs good. up. Sounds good. Thanks, Steve. Yeah, no problem. Alrighty, so that, uh, I guess we're going to go ahead and just kind of cut it there. Uh, I was looking at the hour and a half mark creep by. I'm thinking, okay, we probably should just you know, push pause, see where we're at. Uh, looks like we're kind of towards the 2014 time frame. But there's a lot that happened that contributed to, um, you know, what we're calling the downfall of the NDL and in terms of like the DWCs and all these other organizations that are coming out and really producing the type of dodgeball that has become the expectation that we know today. And so uh, definitely want to do that justice, don't want to rush it. So we're going to go ahead and continue with part four. Um, I hate to tease it, but probably sometime within the next week or two, given you know Thanksgiving holidays and, and whatnot. But thanks to, you know, Worlds being done, Elite Nationals being done, you know, it, it, it'd be pretty fast and easy to get the guys together to do this again. So um, sorry to ask our questions and then not ask them, but I feel like that alone is probably another hour to get through them. However, if you have more, feel free to post them on these threads. I'll definitely do another call for questions uh, just to add to what we already have and uh, we'll go from there. So if you're still listening, thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for asking and getting on me to produce a part three. Definitely not going to take as much time to do part four. And also, I did start, as I said before, start reaching out slowly to some of the OGs that I would like to talk to in other regions. So uh, keep that in mind. If you're listening and you're in the North, South, uh, Pacific, Northwest, what have you, and there's somebody you want to hear from, let me know. And I'll be more than happy to start planning this. So that way, when season three comes along, we, we just uh, we just hit the ground running. should be a lot of fun. So anyway, uh, have a good rest of your uh, weekend, good rest of your night, and we'll catch you next time. Mark, do I send my highlight video into you for next year Worlds, or who do I send my highlight video to? Your, your refing highlight video? Yeah. <laughs>